0: Hello and welcome to the Spirit Guide Society podcast. My name is Pedro Shanahan and I'm your spirit guide. Tonight in the Whiskey Society at Seven Grand, we had the New Zealand Whiskey Collection in the house with Mr. Greg Ramsey, fresh off the plane at LAX. We tried the High Wheeler, a single grain whiskey, a 18-year-old single malt from South Island, the Dunedin Double Cask, the Oma Maruvian, named for the indigenous peoples of the South Island in Tasmania, right? It was a word of the, a Maori word. Maori word. It's it's
1: a what kind of word? Maori, the Maori. Maori, okay. Yeah.
0: Maori, that's what I was looking for. I asked them these questions during the event. You'll have to check out the podcast. Always remember to enjoy this podcast responsibly. That means don't blend them on your own. You're no master blender. And don't drink while driving. You can listen while driving, but that's it. No multitasking. Eyes on the road, ears on the podcast. Cheers to you. Cheers, pitcher. Oh, wow! wow. Wow. I tell you, the Whiskey Society puts the Mezcal Collective to shame when it comes to the slow clap. I, I do the slow clap over at Las Perlas on Wednesday nights, and it's like I'm lucky if I can get two hands to hit each other in the whole room. The whole room. And it's, and it's not that people are dumb; they're not. They're totally intelligent. It's just they don't like to clap or something. Like they look at me like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "It's the slow clap. Come on." slow clap. It brings people together. It's a great thing, right? No, some people don't like it. This guy is like, mm. it's okay. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Welcome to the Whiskey Society, everyone. I wanted to introduce you to Greg's back. No, no. <laughs> no, we've got a really special night for you tonight. Uh, we have New Zealand Whiskey Collective is that the collection. collection collection
1: I do like collective though we could rebrand yeah, that yeah well that's good.
0: okay I, I, I just want a little piece of the action then. Yeah, that's, that's my gift to you the yeah. collective uh, no uh, but please welcome Greg Ramsey who just got off the plane from New Zealand Yeah. yeah. Thank you. and his, his better half Miss Fran Murphy's in the house as well <laughs> She's actually a, a doctor, and so if he gets too drunk, he can just fall down, and she'll bring in the gurney and take him out. So that happens out. all the time, and it applies to all of you. So that's all good. Yeah. And actually, I would like to say how humbling it is.
1: Stephanie and I only started emailing after the Pedro. Uh, put me in touch with Stephanie. Pedro Pedro's
0: not the they Pedro, call me. just for
1: the record. The Pedro. He's known, it renowned in New Zealand as the, the Pedro. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> so, only literally a couple of weeks ago. So, it's quite a startling to me to come along uh, and see such a great turnout. So, it shows how many passionate whiskey uh, fiends there are here in LA. We're very
0: thirsty. It's dry here. <laughs> yeah, it must
1: be. It must be. And so, and what a beautiful venue. I mean, we, I did a show. Um, at Seven Grand Whiskey Lounge in San Diego last year, and that was a great night. And then I saw what a great, you know, series of venues the, um, the group has. So it's a thrill. So thank you all thank for you. coming out to taste something that I'm sure you've never heard of. Um, so at least it shows you're inquisitive and, and interested in exploring the
0: world of whiskey. So how was the flight? It was good. We actually... Don't have, tell me your arms are tired.
1: No, no. We actually flew from Tasmania. So we're based in Tasmania. Right. So we'll, we'll give you the whole history. So that's even further. Yeah, further it's further crazy further. too.
0: And when you're coming up from the southern hemisphere, the planes start off upside down and then when they cross the equator... <laughs> they make it. They make it. They flip over there. <laughs> so do you... How, are you used to pouring whiskey in the northern hemisphere? Is that a problem? You're used to going like pouring up? It
1: swirls it mm-hmm. a different way in the glass. Uh, yeah. I, I haven't figured that I've out I've heard, heard that. We'll yeah. see. So we have
0: to Swirl it. And we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll figure it, it out together. It shouldn't affect
1: the flavors. Hopefully. <laughs> hopefully
0: so. Well, Greg, you started this company in two thousand ten. Two thousand ten. Yeah. And now, essentially, the reason why you guys have really small bottles is not because it's a small country. it's That's It's true. because you just you started. I know. I'm full of jokes. It's Monday. So <laughs> people are like, God. Like really? It. Wow. <laughs> Not everybody likes it. Um, <laughs> but these are just little 375s. But that's because the whiskey that you've sourced this from is from a mothball distillery. Are all the whiskeys in your collection from distilleries that are now defunct? So it's actually
1: the uh, Yeah, so the origin of the whiskey is that um, in the late 1960s, a malting company that used to make uh, they are called Maltexo, and they ma- made malted chocolate, which I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with, uh, the Whopperous. Milo and chocolate milk, and so on. Yeah. Anyway, so they somehow decided they wanted to diversify, and because they were already malting um, barley for the breweries, but also predominantly for their uh, their chocolate extract, or sorry, their malt extract for chocolate milk, they um, they put in a pilot plant. They started distilling it in 1967. And, um, and became very successful in New Zealand pretty much only in the 1970s. And uh, the first whiskey we're having tonight was renowned in New Zealand. It was the second biggest selling whiskey in the 70s up to the early 80s. And it
0: was, was not, the Willowbank Distillery? It was Willowbank Distillery, okay.
1: and it was known as Wilson's. So that was their, the name of the whiskey, and it was, it was a really well-made spirit that was reju- basically released far too young. And what the biggest sort of injection in the arm of uh, New Zealand whiskey was when Seagram's bought that distillery in 1983. So at that time, Seagram's were the biggest, literally owned over 70% of the world's distilleries. They owned United Distillers and Vintners in Scotland, which was you know an enormous amount of the, the um, Scottish distilleries. Obviously huge figures here in, uh, in North America. And they used to send Four Roses Kentucky barrels to New Zealand to be decanted, and then they would be bottled and be sent into the Australian market, and that would beat trade tariffs and all sorts of economic reasons they did that. But then those Four Roses bourbon barrels were filled with new make New Zealand spirit. And that's sort of the genesis of when um, New Zealand whiskey became really serious, not just as a domestic product, but they became quite big in Southeast Asia, East Asia, Taiwan, South Korea, Japan. It, Four Roses
0: was huge in Japan.
1: Oh, it still, it still is, yeah. And so it never really, there was only a three-year period in the early 90s where the New Zealand whiskey came into this market, which was when Foster's bought that distillery from, from Seagram's. And the sad thing when Foster's bought it is it was all part of some brewery deal. They sold Labatt or Molson or some Canadian brewery to Foster's, which, and, and as part of it they got this distillery And what they had thirty-two thousand casks of two hundred, sorry, one hundred ninety liter. We call it in liters, so I'm not sure how many gallons that is. But yeah, thirty-two thousand barrels uh, maturing in a big old World War II aircraft hangar, and um, and they had this enormous stock of whiskey, literally probably one of the biggest outside of you know Tennessee, uh, Kentucky, and and Scotland, obviously. And what? Foster's did, they just sold all this whiskey off in big bulk stocks to East Asia, to Taiwan and Singapore and and, uh, Japan and so on. Probably
0: went into those markets as Scotch. Okay, but the first mark, is that from the Willowbank distillery? Yes. So yeah. you had this old store of, of whiskey that was sitting in an in air hangar, uh, yep. so, hangs, so yeah. it, it tastes like jet fuel? Is that the idea? Oh, no? Well, um, I'll let you be the judge. I'll let you be it's, the judge. It's a little bit of terroir. It's got yeah. that tarmac kind of thing going on. Well, the key
1: thing with Wilson's is it was aimed to compete with Johnny Walker Red. And that's how, this is in the late 60s, so they made a really clean spirit. And it was initially being put into, you know, just random American oak ex-bourbon barrels. Um, and it was sold as a three-year-old whiskey. That was the minimum, could, you know, to be called whiskey. Uh, and it was basically a mixing whiskey. But they were very successful from a business point of view. By 1976, it was the second biggest selling whiskey in New Zealand after Johnny Walker Red. So they'd succeeded at a commercial level. And I would say they succeeded very, very well also at a spirit level. What they didn't do was because they had big barrels and three years in, in that climate of, you know, southern New Zealand, it was never going to mature to bring through those toffees and the, the vanillas. And, and it, so I've tasted a lot of Wilsons and it was always, it just tastes like a young whiskey. It was a little bit grassy, um, very spiritous. Um, whereas now what you've got is the 21-year-old version, you know, version and the 21-year-old um, barrel, um, you know, barrel-aged whiskey. So
0: we're starting and, off with 21. Yeah. You're, so you guys yeah. really do go in the opposite yeah. direction. <laughs> right? yeah, 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 yeah. Oh,
1: yeah. So, and we start with this because it's got, in my opinion, we we bottle a little bit stronger. It's at 43% ABV. So it's got that viscosity and the oils coming through from the spirit. And it, it basically is by far and away our best to prepare the palate. It really coats the whole mouth. It really... Um, It's got the toffee just lightly. It's got the malt coming through. It's got nothing offensive about it at all. There's no peat in it. Um, Although some people say, oh, I get a little bit of smoke. That's just from the charring of the cask and and other characteristics that can come through.
0: So Um, I want to know a little bit more about the history of distilling in New Zealand. uh You guys had whiskey in the 1890s, right? There was, I mean, around the turn of the century, the 20th century, um, there was... A bunch of distilleries yeah, in, actually, in New Zealand, right? E-
1: even earlier. So the, the Nick Morgan, Dr Nick Morgan, thank who's you. the corporate historian of Diageo. Thank you very much, Stephanie. Um, the corporate historian of Diageo, he's just recently, late last year, validated a big print that we've got, like an oil painting print of the New Zealand distillery in Dunedin of 1876. He's validated that because it's got a series of different elevations and views of the still house and the barrel room and the molting floors he he's basically said i think that's the earliest known image of a modern day production distillery so before that there are a lot of photos of crofters distilling in caves or the bothies that the crofters in the highlands you know that were illicit distilling that hide these stills there's a lot of romantic paintings by lansing and all sorts of... Pay, you they know, had to yeah. hide
0: them in New Zealand. They're, they're worried about the British government no, coming yeah, over no, and taxing no, no, them all the way. That's a long way to travel exactly, not to too much. somebody. I but there was big decisions. I wouldn't be that there. worried.
1: All right. they, they shouldn't have worried too much. But what happened was, and it happened all around the British Empire. So, so we're from Australia, or Tasmania, which is part of Australia. The British Empire were very clever. They actually, the Scottish banks funded the British Empire's railways. And part of that, because the Scottish banks had a huge exposure and stake in Scottish distilling, they said, we'll fund your railways in New Zealand if you close down your distilling industry. And if you think about it, uh, Scotch had a myth, even like American bourbon whiskey, there was a myth that it's really hard to make or it's a real science, you need the heather and you need the peat and you need all the, the, the magic of the highlands. But... Beer became universal. Wine became universal. Yeah, farmers but,
0: have been distilling for exactly, of years. And,
1: and in some ways, I look at it like the distillation is simpler than the brewing bit of making whiskey. It's simpler than, you know, the growing grapes where you've got climatic risk and soil risk and disease risk. Distilling is in some ways the simplest. Now, the art of it is a different level. But to distill, the Scots very cleverly clamp down. So in Australia and New Zealand they made this condition we will fund all your spread of your railway networks if you legislate to make distilling basically prohibit you know prohibition against distilling so new zealand distilleries there were about 6 by the eight, like late 1880s and they all closed down by 1890s and they just became brewers they closed down distilling railways flourished but that was the end of the distilling.
0: So we had a lot of issues with the British government here
1: too in America. Uh, yeah, I heard that, but it wasn't around whiskey; it was around tea, wasn't it? The tea. Cup, uh, was tea it,
0: there was some rum issues back in <laughs> There There yeah, were some yeah, serious yeah, rum yeah, issues yeah, that yeah. we had. Yeah. So you were talking about maturation. Before we taste this one, you were saying the maturation is different in in New Zealand. Explain how it's different from. Compared to Scotch or Irish or even bourbon, we get a lot of uh, evaporation, a lot yep. of angel share yep. Yep. In, in America, yep. not so much in Ireland, not so much in Scotland. What happens down in New Zealand with that So New Zealand has very ecosystem. much
1: sort of like a, a northern Oregon climate. So it's quite h- humid is the word, or is it, there's a high level of humidity in the atmosphere. It's maritime, obviously, because it's a pretty thin sliver of an island. Um, So it's very maritime right across. In the centre around, if any of you have been to Queenstown or central Otago, they certainly get long, dry summers. But the the bulk of it has a nice, moderate, constant sort of humidity influenced by that maritime atmosphere. But they have big um, temperature ranges between summer heat of, say, what we call 25 degrees Celsius. What's that in Fahrenheit? Ninety-five, maybe yeah, close to hundred, like down down yeah, to, close yeah. to just So, so j- just think, Portland, Oregon. Like we we get warm summers. <laughs> we get rainy up very, there. Well, yeah, actually, they do get. We probably get colder winters than Portland does because okay. it's always raining in Portland. But um, but you know, we we get quite dryish um winters and summers. Um, so what that brings in maturation is during the daytime when it's warming up, the actual transpiration through the wood, which is that pressure differential between the vapors burning off inside the barrel, working their way through that permeable wood and being replaced by the external atmosphere coming in. And at nighttime, it's the other way around. So you've got this heavy, the cool comes in, the mist, the, the, the damp, and you've got this heavy external atmosphere and that is actually then working its way through the wood and into the whiskey so sometimes
0: so, the proof goes down oh very much so Interesting. Yeah, yeah
1: yeah so what you've got is this breathing barrel that during the day it's going one way and during the night it's going the other and it's quite interesting to me that in scotland in their dunnages or their bond stores, they try and keep a very constant you know, temperature. So I worked in the Scottish whiskey industry for a couple of years and they've got ash on the floor. They use really big, thick stone buildings. So they're very, very trying to keep this constant, slow, very even maturation. Whereas in New Zealand, in Tasmania, I mean, in Cavalan, in Taiwan, if any mm-hmm. of you have been there, I mean, that is a hot, hot climate. Obviously here in, um, in Kentucky, and in Tennessee, you've got that very hot climate and it's a different ethos which is I don't want a slow whiskey to really take 25 years to become amazing it's about and what we're doing with our new whiskey we're laying down is we want that to be an amazing whiskey as good as Kavalan and Amrut out of India or the Tasmanian whiskies you know in, in in three four five years and they can be now they, they'll be a different they'll be a bit more effervescent a little bit more youthful in their spirit. But they also aren't going to take 25 years to actually, you know, find a place on the palate. Mm -hmm. And this whiskey you're about to have, I'm not sure if you've had it yet. I'd invite you to
0: just roll a little You're going to guide us through right now. So this first mark, this is the High Wheeler from the New Zealand Whiskey Collection. Single grain, single grain, not single malt, all right? Single grain New Zealand whiskey. A little tiny 375. This is 21 years old. From the Willowbank Distillery. This was distilled by Cyril Yates then, am I right? Yeah, good master Distiller. uh, I have this ubiquitous phone device that follows me everywhere and tells me what to say. (laughs) Good, good. I like it. it.
1: So, yeah, Cyril worked there from the age of 16, 17, right through until his um, late 40s. And um, what happened, Seagram's owed him his long service leave because he'd worked there for 23 years, and he hadn't taken it at 20 years. And then the, when he when they sold it, they promised that Foster's would honor his long service leave. They didn't honor that. So when we bought the business and we launched the whiskeys, we took him right around the world because that was part of his long service package was to win a trip to the Seagram's Museum in Canada. So we did that. And Cyril's now back involved in the business and, you know, have that. You know, he, he, he gives us stuff like New Zealand whiskey was always barreled at 60%, not at the Scottish tradition of 63.4%. Or, I mean, what's bourbon barreled at? I don't even know the answer to that. Is there a consistent, expect you know, an industry standard? Or? Yeah, well,
0: they like to do it at some, like, wild turkey goes into the barrel like at 110. Generally, you don't go in over 125. Okay, okay, yeah. 125 so, proof, which would yeah, be yeah, yeah, yeah. 62.5 that's, in, that's yep. in, in our, in our in, talk. In, yeah. Yes, all the so, we'll talk. So, so 21-year-old whiskey, let's taste this, though. So, yeah, some people are already done. And what I'd encourage you already folks done. is,
1: when I worked okay, in, um, right. in Scotland, I had this – I feel what was a great gift from our uh, – he was a wine sommelier, actually, at the uh, St. Andrews Old Course Hotel where I worked. And that that promoted itself as having the world's largest single malt whiskey collection. So we had 226 single malt whiskies. We had to know the story of every single one of them. And luckily for me, they really invested in us because we were one of the first venues that became an icon of this single malt terroir. I was there in ninety five when – diageo or united distillers as it was then called launched the flora and fauna series and also the classic malts of scotland which was when they suddenly said we we want a highland we want a lowland we want a island we want an island we want a west highland and suddenly they started explaining the differences in style so as part of that we got shunted all around Scotland to learn about these, you know, differences in style. And Regis LaMaitre, who was our whis- uh, wine sommelier, who was part of that program, he said drinking fine spirits should be like eating chocolate. You should never get a sense of swallowing. And for me, I say that to a lot of people that have been in the industry, and it really resonates with them. In that, a lot of people you see drink whiskey or you know rum or whatever it is, and they throw it down the back of their throat. They get that. That fire, the spirit, they get the reverberation because it bounces back off and they go, ah, oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> and you just like, like you just like, feel like grabbing it because you know they didn't get any of the spirit. A good spirit, and I mean I think this has got a beautiful texture to it. It's got the oil still coming through. You want to roll it around, and this is what he means by like chocolate. You roll it around, you suck it through your teeth, you let it coat your tongue, coat your gums, and basically it's gone. You don't get a sense. And it's like no one thinks about, oh, have I swallowed my chocolate yet? You just chew it up, you chew it up, it's gone. And to me, that's a, you know, you mix it with your saliva and all your mouth juices, and they soften it, and they actually grab different little flavor profiles and notes, and suddenly it's gone. And to me, this whiskey is a beautiful palate preparer. It perhaps isn't our most fascinating or broad, you know, um, flavor profile. But as a starter, or if you just want something that's a really easy drinking for long periods of time, it um, this
0: stitches a lot of people. I up, like easy drinking for long periods of time. Let's tap <laughs> some over our tongue. What do you guys think of this 21-year-old high wheeler? Yeah, share it, some food words. No wrong answers. Now, I know you haven't got whiskey jugs, but if you if you've trust
1: your, your shaking hand to put a tiny splash in or you've still got a little bit left in there, it's a tiny little drop of water actually really... As it does with all spirits, in my opinion. Not for everyone, but it really magnifies it.
0: Yeah, but be careful, like, we didn't pass out little dropper, so just a single drop off the tip of your finger is more than enough with this tiny, tiny bit of whiskey that we have here. 21 years old from the Willowbank Distillery. I smell green apple. I get a little
1: bit of, like, uh, star anise and
0: marshmallow. Star anise and marshmallow. What are you guys getting as you smell this whiskey? No wrong answers, please. Shortbread. Plenty of Magilla. vanilla. Plenty of- yeah.
1: And that shortbread, I haven't heard that said before. That's a a lot of people say it's very buttery, It's very buttery whiskey. So you're actually getting a bit of the flour or the malt mixing with butter, which is what shortbread is put in the oven. So he's got a good palate. Uh, I'm going to use that. I'm going to use shortbread. I like that. He also likes cookies. Okay. Good. Um, Hervacious ones? Hervacious
0: cookies. No, but this is delicious. 21 years old. Now, how many um, cases of this are going to be available in America? Because it's 21-year-old whiskey. Obviously, you have very small bottles. Yeah. This is not a lot of this exists in the world, I'm taking.
1: Yeah. So, we know we still have about. So, when I bought the last stocks of the distillery... I bought 443 barrels, which is actually over 80,000 litres of cast-strength whiskey. so it's 120 proof. Uh, actually, probably averaged about 110 proof. So, and I'll just pass around with this, folks, uh, the bottle that's partially open. This is like a snow... What did you used to call it? Uh, snow cones, what do we call them? Uh, snow At Christmas. Anyway, if you look through the liquid... Snow globe. Snow globe. Snow globe. So snow if you look through the liquid at the right light... What we did, we stripped out all the um, all the uh, cyan out of the uh, beautiful 1870s picture of the um, Willow Bank Distillery, and you'll see the distillery there through the uh, through the wow, liquid.
0: Oh, that's cool. So, and what? Because what we you were, didn't, you didn't strip anything out of the whiskey itself. Do no, no, you guys no, no, no. do any except, charcoal filtering on that? Do you do cold chill filtering? No, we okay. we do
1: cool it to get all the flocking down.
0: We okay. don't. We don't filter. Okay, okay. it's not chill filtering. So, what is the second mark that Stephanie's passing around right now?
1: So, this whiskey is our biggest seller in Britain. And I think it says a little bit about what they're looking for in whiskey. They, they want scotch. In every other market, the next whiskey you're about to have, our, our Dunedin Doublewood, is our biggest seller. But this is very, I mean, it's very reminiscent of a West Highland malt, like an Oban or a Jura. Um, it's got that nice elevated. Heats through it, and the, the malters and distillers in Dunedin were getting really confident with their peating by the ni- by the early 1990s. And we're incredibly lucky that Jim Murray, who I'm sure you all know Jim Murray's Whiskey Bible, he went and visited as a guest of Seagram's in 1991 for 10 days, lived in Dunedin in the distillery. Oh, and, going and was going around the sorry. room. Oh, sorry. And, that's know. his <laughs> fault.
0: It's
1: your first yeah. time doing the Whiskey Society, Yeah. She needs to pour it. Oh, sorry. Yeah, they were handing <laughs> it around. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. So they, um, so he, he actually wrote a beautiful two-page thesis in his uh, 1992 book, The Wonderful World of Whiskies. And so from that, we've actually gleaned quite a lot of technical information. So he was talking about their peating, and he was talking about their peat. And the peat in this whiskey, you're not going to find it heavy. If you're a big LaFroy or a you know, Carlila or a, um, a Lagavulin lover, this hasn't got that heavy, okay. dirty you know, sort of rotting bandage peat that we all love. <laughs> we all
0: what? love that. Yeah, we do. I mean, we do. We, I mean, I Someone love it.
1: loves a rotting bandage. <laughs> yeah. I know. um, It's what, what, and it was explained to me by the very first distiller who did a lot of trials on peat in, um, in New Zealand that Scottish forests that fell over and died back and then decomposed into peat Heavily wooded forests Mm -hmm. with with a light foliage of leaves and a canopy of of, uh, of, of, uh, leaf. New Zealand forest is brush or bush or scrub. I'm not sure what you call it. In what do you call forest? Scrub would be good. Scrub. Okay. So it's quite low lying. There. Certainly in deep ravines, there'd be some big trees. But basically, as they fall down and die back and rot, you've got a a, a peat that's much more sort of leaf based or foliage based. So it hasn't got that woody heaviness. It's got a very light elevated note, but the smoke is there. And, and some people pick it up quite dramatically. Other people find it it's there, but it's light. And some people go, oh, I just can't get the peat. And it, in my experience, that depends on how many cig- cigarettes or cigars they've had, or also whether
0: they are used to Ardbeg. Because if you want Ardbeg peat, this isn't that kind of peat. So this is the South Island single malt, aged 25 years from the New Zealand whiskey collection. Is this, which distillery is this coming from?
1: All from one, the same It's story. all from
0: Willowbank. Yeah, all from now, Willowbank. Now, where do Warren and Deb Preston fit into the big oh, picture? Are they the parents of New Zealand you're whiskey? S- you're
1: setting my turn beautifully. So the next my whiskey, job, we'll get onto that, that next. We'll get, we'll get on to that one next, uh, Pedro. So, okay, all right. Yeah.
0: Save it, save it. So what
1: are, what are you guys picking up with this?
0: <laughs> Stick your nose in that glass, breathe in gently through your mouth. What do oh, you smell on like this one? On it, like
1: mm-hmm. Very faint, faint. Incense, as in that smokiness, but quite floral. Well, maybe that's
0: just that different kind of peat, Kim. So think of the way that less woody peat. Maybe it's that foliage foliage vibe. Yeah, but Uh, light,
1: not you know. And I I would, and I would implore you if you haven't um, drunk it all yet, just put that drip, put your finger in, put a bit of water, because it is again the funny thing with water is everyone expects if I add water, it will dilute and my flavor profile will lessen. But the one flavor note that is massively expanded by water is smoke. So uh, people go, oh, wow, I can get much more smoke now. Yeah. I find I can get everything more.
0: But smoke in particular is helped by water. I'm getting like dark chocolate and even a mintiness to it. It's mm. really nice. What are you guys getting on this one? 25-year-old South Island single malt from New Zealand whiskey collection. Yeah, like dark cherries on the nose, but a little sweet cherry on the palate. Wow, great. Great one. Tiara. Great one. And what do you guys getting over here? I don't, I've never got cherry. Citrus? citrus? The water. The water will open up.
1: This changes so much with that little bit of water. You get more citrus. Um, what are you getting on this one? Oh,
0: raisin. Raisin. Beautiful. Beautiful. So this is all used bourbon cooperage? No sherry casks? But no pork casks?
1: The first two you've had have spent all their life in X Four Roses Kentucky bourbon oh, wow. barrels.
0: Okay. Really, and really I mean, cool.
1: And, and, and it's interesting you say mint. I, I don't think mint is generally regarded as a very positive note. In whiskey. What, what do you guys think? Mark we like mint. Yeah, because yeah, 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 you get that you get that peppery note in rye, don't you? It's herbaceous. So, yeah, it is herbaceous, and that's it's interesting that you pick that up. Everyone's palates so amazingly in tune to different things because I haven't heard that one before. Whereas I'll use shortcake, shortbread again. I'm not sure I'm uh, going to use bread. No, not on this one. This no. is, uh, like salted
0: dark chocolate with like pepper. Do you nice. prefer it with whisk with uh, with water or without?
1: I tried both. Um,
0: um, I think I like it without the water. He's not. his head. No water. Yeah. Don't mess with my yeah, whiskey, don't man. Mess. Fair, Fair enough. enough. 25-year-old beautiful, beautiful whiskey. Now, if I was going to buy this at my local liquor store, this... This might be a, a Fran question. How much does this cost uh, for this little three seventy five? So
1: this one at KNL Wines and when Bevmo have got it right across the, you know, all their range. Cause I think they've only got their whiskey oh. specialist. It'll be about two twenty for a h- half bottle.
0: Two twenty, really cheap stuff. <laughs>
1: and, and the best thing is, it's so we've got a thirty year old as well. So sc- after Scotland, Ireland, and Japan. Our 30-year-old, we've only got 11 casts of it left, but the, that's the last, Yeah, sorry, that's the fourth country in the world to have a 30-year-old single malt, so, and that's the last of that stock. So this whiskey and the 30-year-old is really sought after by collectors as well. So, mm-hmm. And in France and, and Europe in particular, there's such a big market. And I'd love to say, look, we, we, we'll try and make this available to you all for $140, but at the end of the day, twenty-five-year-old whiskey is getting harder and harder to, to find. Yeah,
0: here at, in the US, a, we just drink it. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's just Well, like...
1: and, but at bars, at bars, you'll find people make plenty of margin on on what it's being sold for. We do so, all right. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm. All right. So what? Say again. Uh, I was told when I was in New Zealand, New Zealand whiskey sucks. Yeah. That's
1: oh my. Yeah. That's why we drink <laughs> over here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, and New Zealand after Oregon is the highest concentration of craft breweries in, uh, in, in the world. Uh, sorry, Belgium, Belgium, then Oregon, and then New Zealand. And um, I was amazed here there isn't an L.A. craft beer. So if anyone wants to get around later and put some capital in, we'll get a L.A. craft brewery going. Um, I couldn't get one here in, in, uh, in the bar. So is no, there an L.A.
0: craft brewery? Oh, yes. Oh, area? yes. Oh, oh yeah. No, yeah, we've got, we've got a bunch Why of haven't stuff. They got any here? We've got some. We've got um, San Diego County well represented, which is fresh, fresh. <laughs> that's not LA, though, is it? San Diego yeah. County. Have you tasted the water here in LA? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, <laughs>
1: right? It does get boiled in the hop kettle, but it should be okay. But yeah, right. that's all good.
0: But San Diego County has an amazing array of uh, of craft distilleries, and we've, we've got craftsmen on tap up there.
1: That's L.A.
0: That's San Diego County. Uh, I'm looking for L.A. Downtown Go to L.A. Yeah. Brewing downtown. Yeah. There's, close to here. There's Angel City. There's, There's Modern LA. Times. Yeah. There's Arts District Brewing yeah. Company. Now, Modern There's Times. Company. I said that's Imperial Western. Done. L.A. has got plenty. We've got properties. plenty for you to do. Forget about that one. Uh, it's going to be all that's right. Good. Good. <laughs> mm. So what's this third mark that Stephanie's pouring for us right now? So what,
1: what happened when You're, Foster's?
0: No, keep going. Oh, Foster's, sorry. no. Yeah.
1: <laughs> when Foster's um, sold off the stocks, the last eight hundred barrels were bought by the Preston family. The Prestons are from the North Island. If any of you've been to New Zealand, they're from Hawkes Bay, which is a big wine growing area with Shiraz and Cabernet Sauvignon. Whereas South Island, New Zealand, is predominantly Pinot and Chardonnay and so on, and Sauvignon Blanc up in uh, Marlborough. So, the Prestons bought this big stock of whiskey and they did the cleverest thing. They took all of the blended whiskey that had rickety old barrels or was just, they could tell, just wasn't going anywhere in the wood, tired old wood, probably third field, to be perfectly honest, third field barrels, and they decanted it into New Zealand red wine barrels of their own, which was predominantly, well, sorry, all French oak. And the great thing that French oak brings to a spirit is that that spicy peppery note like american oak brings beautiful vanilla caramel honey i find you know when you have when you add french oak influence to that beautiful undertones of that you know vanilla caramel and honey suddenly you get what i think is magical i love balvini double wood um i love the abelow i love these i mean a lot of glendronics that have actually come out of bourbon barrels and into be either be finished which might be as little as six months or a year or two in a uh, in a French oak barrel, um, or like this one, we we actually believe this is the longest matured whiskey in a as in right at this point in the market. So you've got the our 18-year-old Dunedin Doublewood, six years in American Oak, X Four Roses, Kentucky bourbon barrels, and then 12 years in French Oak New Zealand red wine barrels. Wow, that's cool. And, and when I look at like if you see a fantastic new whiskey that's available over here now called a Starwood from Melbourne. The Starwood Nova has spent all of its life in in, uh, in Australian red wine barrels. And and also long row. If any of you have seen the Long Row, big red, it's got a kangaroo on the label, and they particularly target big, heavy, dirty Shiraz barrels. And so they take it out of you know out of American oak and put it into that. But that's only six or six or twelve months. Finished. So this is 12 years in. French oak,
0: New Zealand red wine barrels. Oh, Completely you. different proposition. So, this thank is you. the. How do I say the name of this town? Dunedin. Dunedin double cask. And just so, to give you, so Dunedin's a very Scottish,
1: uh, very proud of their Scottish heritage. Dunedin was the early Gaelic name of Eden Borough. So, oh. Borough is an English term. Um, a Dun was a congregation for the the Picts and the, and the Gales. So Dunedin was the original name of Edinburgh. Okay. So this is Dunedin's the southern capital of New Zealand, and the you know there was illicit distilling the there recorded from eighteen thirty nine and then, you know, organized distilling that in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, and bang, closed down by the
0: 1890s. So 18-year-old Dunedin double cask, and then you guys are based in Oamaru. Yes. Did yeah. I say that right? Yeah, you And did. that's a harbor town. Yes. So how many people live in Oamaru, and what's it like, this little harbor town in, in so northern Oomaru New Zealand?
1: Oamaru is an hour north of Dunedin, and the good thing the Prestons, the other great thing the Prestons did was they took all that stock of whiskey and put it into a big oceanside bond store. So our bond store, literally 80 meters, or well, I think that's like hundred yards, 80 meters from the ocean, from the crashing waves on a big big uh, seawall and beach there. So that gives that maritime, and you can get the sea spray, you know, finished, particularly at the end, you can get that little salt note just coming through, because this whiskey's had more of its life by the ocean than in that aircraft hangar in Dunedin.
0: So stick your nose in that glass. Let's explore this together, guys. What are you getting as you smell this Dunedin Double cask from the New Zealand whiskey collection? Wow. Say again. Roasted hazelnut, a nuttiness. Roasted hazelnut. A, a nuttiness. What are you guys getting? Yeah, like, uh, kind of a port. port. You smell that French oak on. There. Anybody else? I'm getting some raspberries. Raspberries. That rose. French red, the dirty red Batteries. wine barrel. Jared, what are you getting? Anything? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm some spice with the French oak, probably. Okay. Anybody else? What do you think? 18-year-old...
1: And just as a marker, folks, the first whiskey you had, which is the same spirit as this, but a bit older, 21 years old, this is exactly the same spirit, but with that French oak red wine influence. So you taste... It just shows how much... I mean, we all know, you know, whiskey is made in the barrel, you know. Is, the quality of this, the raw spirit is absolutely critically important. But the style and obviously all the colour, but that's all coming from the from the from the wood. And this is a very good illustration.
0: So you it. guys don't use any caramel colouring in no. the process at all? Well, and, we, and at Willowbank they didn't either? If
1: you look at the colour of this, so that's the same spirit cast strength. You don't need to add any caramel colouring to that. Very, because. very dark. So you guys are actually finishing off tonight with this same spirit but cast strength. And there's only a handful of bottles of this and we've actually because of the USDA legislation here, we're changing away from pure cast strength which means straight out of the wood this is 123 and a half proof. From now on we're going back to a standard 110 proof. So uh, just because it gets so hard that every cast to come in has to have its own USDA approval for every single cast because it's got a different ABV and a different you know maturation.
0: So how do you guys like this double cast here? the Dunedin yeah. double cast, right? It's beautiful, right? Again, not cheap.
1: Um, the, and, and interesting, Pedro, this is the biggest seller in every market we have except Britain, which again, I think when the, when the Brits think whiskey, they want scotch. That's why perhaps bourbon isn't that big there. Japanese whiskey is growing slower there than you know a lot of markets because they want scotch, even though I think Japanese is very scotch style. But this whiskey... Has popped, absolutely popped, in France and Italy and
0: Taiwan and Australia and. Well, they know more about food in those places. <laughs> That's true. I you want to get a good get meal in London, one. you need you to won't. go to an Indian restaurant. Just <laughs> yeah. you, you saying, I like spicy food. It's, just, it's nothing against the breads. Mm. Has anyone added a bit of water to that one? Oh,
1: it's so good
0: without it. Gosh. Yeah, I don't think it doesn't. It doesn't demand much I think at
1: the very end. What I find with water with this one is it actually turns that sort of burnt toffee slash sherbet note into bubble gum. It actually then, actually really, really pops around. I mean, it's quite effervescent, this whiskey anyway. And when I say effervescent, it's not like it's bubbling, but it's got some real high notes in its flavor profile, you know, popping around in your palate. But when you have that little splash of water, in my opinion, I get this bubble gumness that, you know, it's, it stops expanding and it becomes this very sweet layer.
0: I get Did you have more some? smoke, yeah. Oh, yeah, man, I drink, I drink fast, fast and hard, <laughs> man. Um, the, uh, the 18-year-old with that French cask, for me, it brings out more, more of the smokiness. For some yep. reason, it's accentuated by that extra tannic kind of uh, tongue there. Um,
1: oh, what's, that, what's the, that interests me. So you're picking up – does anyone else pick up smoke in this? But it, to me, I've never had any – so you're picking up smoke, which would come from the charred cask.
0: Oh no! So, I'm thinking I'm, the peatiness is being accentuated by the French oak. Is what I'm thinking.
1: Yeah. Okay. Okay. I just had. It's just not. Guessing. It shows. It shows the variety in palate, sort of, and also the almost that there is no definitive flavor style for whiskey because everyone picks up a different aspects of it. So, now yeah. tell
0: me more about the, the town of Oomaru o- yeah. is, is, is that an indigenous name? Yeah. Or is, okay yeah. so tell me about the people of that, that island. So if any of you know the South Island of New Zealand very well
1: the Canterbury Plains is this very very rich fertile dead flat plain that goes from pretty much Marlborough at the north end of the South Island down through Canterbury and Christchurch and right down to Oamaru. Oamaru is where the Canterbury Plains, as in this very dense flatness, hits the southern Alps of the South Island. So it's a beautiful town. It's only about 15,000 people. It was the first port town. I'll tell you, you don't get a lot of towns. It's famous for one big thing. They sent the first shipment of refrigerated meat to Britain. So there's plaques and there's statues and there's a Wharf Heritage Society, all for where the first refrigerated meat left New Zealand to go to London. And that's because that became the staple economy of you know, of New Zealand for hundred and fifty years.
0: The New Zealand beef. New, yeah. Before that they're just selling jerky.
1: Yeah, that's it. <laughs> they're doing it well. They're doing it well. Mm.
0: Alright, so Stephanie's coming around with the Oamaru. Wait, tell me all about this last expression that we're gonna to taste tonight. So,
1: so it's it has got an interesting story. So I've gotta say, like I've been in whiskey since in the industry since I worked in Scotland as an 18-year-old. And what I saw was even there, car strength whiskey was not a big deal. And then when I started working in the Tasmanian whiskey industry, Car strength whiskey, actually, when you're in the industry, we're talking about distillers and whiskey riders, you realize, oh, there's a certain following for car strength whiskey amongst the whiskey industry and the whiskey geeks. Like, the real discerning puritanicals. And so when we launched, we put all of our single malts into vintages. We had 89, 87, 88. Every year you could buy single malts. But I didn't ever put the double wood because it was so good and so successful at a reduced ABV. And then a French blogger started hounding us, almost trolling us online, saying, I love your Doublewood. I think it's actually a very, very special whiskey. He was the first one that alerted us. We think I think it's the longest matured whiskey in red wine barrels. And he said, and I want to taste at car strength. And so a year and a bit later, I, I look at the stats. Cast strength whiskey, which to us is whiskey around 120 proof, is at like less than 1% of the whiskey market. So do I want to go to the effort of creating SKUs and so on when I've already got all the single malt cast strengths? And so I didn't do it. But then eventually we sent, we did one barrel, and I said to our blender in in uh, Omaru, I said, find a really soft, inoffensive, safe barrel, and we sent it over, and he loved it, and he got a blog, and we we're like, oh, it's going well. So we did a couple more barrels, single cast all of them, all around that 125, 100 and um, you know, even up to 100, not quite 130 proof, about 126 proofs the highest, and. And then what we were finding was we were getting people really raving about the really offensive ones, the big end of town, the jammy, sulfury, you know, really dirty heavy ones. And so what I realized is it's a bit like Lefroy and Ardbeck, if people are looking for car strength or they're looking for Pete, they want it at an end of the spectrum that is going to be memorable. And they're almost chasing, chasing a phenomena. So what we do now, I say to my blender, we've only got like maybe 48. I don't know, we've got maybe 55 barrels left of the doublewood. I say find the stickiest, jammiest, you know, most treacly barrels you can find. Ones that actually our original blender used to say they were rancid. That barrel is off. It's rancid. It doesn't taste like whiskey. Well, what you've got now is a whiskey that some people say is more like cognac
0: or it's more like because it had 12 years. Well, in in the cognac world, they actually say rancio. Is a is a flavor quality that you want, which was rancid. rancid.
1: I've never heard this.
0: That's <laughs> <So laughs> why you come to the whiskey side, the Pedro, bro. The Pedro. The Pedro. The Pedro's giving me gold. <laughs> I'm <trying>. the Pedro. The <laughs> <laughs> Pedro's giving me gold. I love it. Rancio. Rancio. So oh, in in wow, um, certain the name, uh, the yeah, mm-hmm. really good sherries have a quality of. Uh, like a real fino sherry might yeah. have a quality of rancio. Yeah. It's an Italian, yeah, Latin for well, rancid. Well, the
1: Irish say that for cheese and meat, meat, they say the closer to rotting, the closer to perfection. Mm-hmm. So it's just before it goes, turns over the hill and decomposes is, a, is a, at its best.
0: What are you guys getting as you stick your nose in this glass? The double wood, mm. what's this one called? Please put a of, even a little drop of water. Just, I don't advise it. I'm not
1: saying, yeah, there you go. I, I don't just do it. No. Maybe, maybe my palate's all out of whack. I can't oh, okay. even I'm, just, I'm loving this palate okay. so much, I can't even get to the taste. So, the, so yeah.
0: the Oma Veruvian Castrinth Double Wood Whiskey from the New Zealand Whiskey Collection. This is, what does it say right there? 30. Is that the three No, no, no. So this, this is 18 years
1: old. So the O, it says oh, okay. the O. Okay, the O. So the, the thing with the you when you actually want to go back to buy, because this sold out in America very, very quickly. Thank you. Um, it'll be at that 110 proof. Um, so if any of you are online shoppers, you'll find in Chicago and New York, you can still get this at, at 125 proof. So, you know, there's probably only 200-odd bottles of this left. I would buy them back and sell them at home or ship them to Paris, but it's actually in- ineffective cost-wise. So um, jump on them if you're a collector because that'll be, that'll be that.
0: So again, yeah? that. Uh, so has wine. Uh, I
1: think Total Wines or, and um, Binnie's in Chicago is selling them for maybe 129 or 139 wow. US. yeah, yeah, but that's it's crazy. It. Yeah. 100, well, yeah, yeah. they're one 100, about one hundred twenty five proof. So that one's sixty one point seven. So that's 120. yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. What so kind of food words good. come to mind, guys? Are yeah. you getting that? I, it smells all, like sherry all, cask to me.
1: Yeah, I smell they're, a lot of that sherry custom. cask. Anything kind of that's available in America at the moment is is that original barrel, um, that's you know all straight off of wood. And the wood. I've of seen five. it from one hundred twenty nine to one hundred and fifty five. So oh. yeah. So it's a real collector's thing.
0: But. Yeah. What do you guys think of this? The O, the Oma Peruvian. Oma oh. well, what is the Pedro thing of the O? Uh, yeah, the, I won't respond to the Pedro. No, God, no. <laughs> God, no. No, you are the Pedro. Oh, no. That's why I was told I would be dealing with the Pedro. <laughs> no? That sounds like I'm really hard to deal with. No. Anyone with the the before that name is probably a jackass. Ay, ay, ay. Maraschino, cherry, what else? Vanilla cake batter. Vanilla cake batter, I love that. What what's, else? What's
1: vanilla cake batter?
0: So before you put the cake in the oven, it's just the batter. So it's a little eggier. A little eggy, a little flour. A little yeah. Raw? There you so go. It's raw cake. Oh. Mm. Cake in the raw. raw Delicious. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I like it. Awesome. I'm getting a barbecue, but I'm getting like a Korean barbecue. Oh, pass. I haven't tried Glossy. that one.
1: Glace, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good, I like
0: that. Korean barbecue. Ooh, I smell like a brilliant kind of like uh, I'd smell the uh, those mar uh, the Amarino cherries or you know those Luxardo cherries. Maraschino. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Or Amarino, Maraschino, the Luxardos.
1: What are you guys getting?
0: This is the latest one. Roses, nice. All right, all right. Well, tell us about the future, uh, one in which uh, what do you guys? Have on the horizon. Are you distilling now at that facility? Yes. Yeah. So we've now got about eleven
1: thousand liters of whiskey laid down, um, maturing. So the very first cast, which I think we probably won't spread beyond uh, New Zealand, we're releasing at Christmas this year. That's what you know our unaged statement whiskies. Um, and we built a big new distillery in Dunedin, uh, which is really exciting, and that. Basically, we can make cost-effective volumes. And we want to be a global player. Like we saw when I was in New Ze- uh, in Scotland in 1995, Scott, uh, Japanese whiskey really was unknown. And suddenly it popped, you know. And then Amrut comes along. Then Kavalan. I mean, Kavalan is already the eighth biggest single producer whiskey yeah, in the world. Alan Shane,
0: uh, the master of
1: stiller right yeah, here in this right room. right And it's amazing whiskey. And so we're, we're very aspirational that New Zealand... As a country, as a brand, as an identity, has a very, uh, you know, there's a real warmth for it. There's a lot of affection for New Zealand, but more importantly, we've got distillers and blenders that are putting great spirit into great barrels.
0: How big is your still that you're using at your facility, and what's the name of the new distillery? So it's well, the distillery is called still called the Dunedin Distillery.
1: Okay. So Willow Bank, what when Foster's sold Foster's Brewery, sold that distillery? What did it become of all things? It's now student accommodation. But, oh, no. I mean, it's heaven, heaven. Can you imagine that? So, that, so they. Heaven if the, you are a student. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, our our distilleries now is going into the Spates Brew House. So, Spates is the biggest selling beer in New Zealand, um, and our, <laughs> we've got a thirty-four hundred liter wash still and a twenty-one hundred liter spirit still.
0: What are you able to put out every year?
1: So we can well, our at the moment we're putting out fifty-two thousand liters at cast drink. So, but our, that's only thirteen percent production capacity still very very yeah. small so we want to run around the clock and we're talking to people about that because uh new world whiskey uh whether it's tasmanian or um taiwanese or indian japanese you know w- we know there's a lot of exploring interest not only mm-hmm. in wine and beer but in whiskey we're
0: all here tonight to check it out yeah. what kind of casts are you guys finishing in with the new the new make you're making on premise french oak new zealand red wine so we've really learned that we think bourbon barrel
1: is a great vessel for actually just holding and burning off all those original, you know, volatiles, the aldehydes, the esters that still got to work their way out of the wood. But after a while, you put them in red wine barrels and they start just developing what you guys loved about the double wood and about the omeruvin. You get that very sticky notes and, you know.
0: So you're not going to use bourbon casks? No, no, we will. And so are using, both. At, at using the moment, both. Like,
1: We just got a, a 240-foot container, so about 600 barrels, of Woodford Reserve, Angels Envy, Four Roses, um, a couple other brands that we've sold onto breweries, and um, you know it's
0: good. Are Over. you using New Zealand grain as well? All New Zealand. Barley. All New Zealand grain. Yeah. All New Zealand yeah. peat. Yep. And the and, and the uh, where and are you getting it peated? So
1: there's a thing called the Tyree Gorge, massive gorge. There's a big railway around it, quite a tourist attraction in Dunedin, and that's all a big peat bog. So there's an unlimited peat. I mean to be. There's a bit of a myth about peat. The Scotland, you know, has the peat. I mean, there's peat all over Canada and northern all the USA, world. and you know, all peat's, the world. peat's not rare. So there's great peat, you know, and distinctive peat in New Zealand. But what is what is cool is, um, you know, New Zealand almost exclusively uses French oak red wine barrels. Australia uses a lot of American oak red wine for its red wine. So we can, you know, that's part of our provenance, and four roses is part of our provenance. So we want to keep using four roses Kentucky bourbon barrels those initial years of
0: maturation cool cool well thank you so much for coming out tonight for the whiskey society great yeah, ramsey from yeah. the new zealand whiskey I, collection I, 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 I Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you like what you heard, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating and review. The Spirit Guide Society is a Spirit Adventures production in association with Bitten from the Apple Productions. Special thanks to Tone Mesa for their post-production and audio services. The show is produced by Andrew Apple and me, Pedro Shanahan. Executive producer, Andrew Abrahamson. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Spirit Guide Soc. We'll be there to answer any questions you have, share what we're drinking,